Not to me, but I witnessed an appalling, unprovoked assault. Then you're free to lay a complaint, Mr. Shakespeare, if you so wish. But the way I heard it, it was Mikhail that provoked Mr. Topcliffe. There was no point in complaining to the sergeant of arms, Shakespeare realised. The only hope of redress would be with the earl himself. In the meantime, he resumed his examination of the castle and its inhabitants. He was particularly anxious to find Buck and Ord, the man who was said to have accompanied François Leloup when he met Mary, but no one knew where he was. Shakespeare tried to gain access to Mary's apartments, but was barred by the English guards. Now he was in the room that passed as his office, awaiting another meeting with the Earl. Through the window he saw that night was closing in. There was a knock at the door, and a blue coat appeared. "'His lordship will see you now, Mr. Shakespeare.' He downed the brandy and enjoyed its warm descent through his gullet, then followed the servant through to a comfortable withdrawing-room, where he found Shrewsbury and Topcliffe standing before the hearth, warmed by a log fire. "'Mr. Shakespeare, you wish to talk with me?' Shakespeare bowed to the earl and ignored Topcliffe. "'I need to see the Scotsman named Buchan Ord. No one seems to know where he is.' "'That is because he is no longer here.' The surprise and irritation were evident on Shakespeare's face. "'Where, then, has he gone?' The earl shrugged helplessly. "'I know not. After our midday repast, I was summoned to the presence of the Scots Queen.' "'The Scots heifer,' Topcliffe put in. "'The Scots Queen asked to see me. And so you crawled to her, like a dog.' Shrewsbury looked at Topcliffe and shook his head, as though he had heard it all before. "'We may not like it, Dick, but she is a queen, and must be treated as such.' She may indeed be our queen one day. More than that, she's a lonely woman of thirty-nine years, and fears herself abandoned and forgotten. Do you know what the world says about you and the heifer, George? Yes, Dick, for you have told it me before, many times. It behoves me to say it again, however, lest you be in any doubt or forget it. They say you are a slave to her that she is a lewd, Romish worm, with succubus talents and teeth between her legs, and that you obediently grovel beneath her skirts, and scrape at her rough-scabbed vileness with your tongue, that everything you do is at her will, that she has borne you two bastards. That is what the court says. That is what men say. Shrewsbury sighed. Then tell them the truth, Dick, for you know me as well as any man. I should tell them you have gone soft that you are a jelly of a man, and I would do so, but for the love I bear you. Tell them that I am maligned and wretched, that I am caught in a triangular snare of women, a wife who despises me, a guest who uses weeping to rule me, and a sovereign who allows me no respite from my overlong years of service. I believe myself the most woebegone subject in this realm. Shakespeare grew impatient. What did Mary want of you, my lord? The earl shrugged his angular shoulders dismissively. Oh, the usual. She wished to scold me. About what? She demanded to know what had become of Mr. Ord, her new favourite courtier. She accused me of sending him away. Why would she think you'd done such a thing? Because I have done so with other members of her retinue in the past, usually on orders from the Privy Council, but sometimes because I have had my own doubts about them. Each time I've done it... There has been yet more sobbing and wailing and tear-stained letters of protest to Lord Burley and Her Majesty. 
But in this case, you did not send Mr. Ord away. No, I did not. Nor did I grant him license to leave, which he should have sought under the terms by which Mary is allowed certain retainers. When he returns, I shall be minded to have him dismissed anyway. He will not be missed. One less stomach for me to fill with food. And this was the first you'd heard he was gone? Indeed. Have none of our entourage any idea where he's gone? What of her secretary? Claude, no. What does he say on the matter? Monsieur No is in London. As for her other secretary, that old fool Gilbert Curl, and the others of her senior aides, they are not saying. The master of her household seemed rather pleased that he was no longer there. I think he saw Ord as a maker of trouble, a young man with too much time on his hands and too much prick in his hose for such close control.